This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Well, happy Victory Monday for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers off of a 31-17 history-making win on Sunday, September 20th of 2020 as the Bucs played for the first time ever in front of an empty stadium. No fans due to the COVID-19 guidelines, safety, and social distancing, but still in the end played a pretty complete football game all the way around in all three phases to get the first win of the Tom Brady era under their belts. And welcome in to our conversation where we recap the games, where I give you some insight and analysis from my point of view, which was interesting on Sunday for the first time uh, working as the third man on the Buccaneer broadcast with Gene and Dave. And then we also hear from some of the participants as well uh, with what they have to say about it. We go over the game highlights, etc. And no matter how you found us through a social media link or maybe you found us off of Buccaneers.com or the Buccaneers mobile app, make sure to subscribe where you find podcasts to Nothing But Bucks and it will come automatically to you after the games are played. Obviously, on Sunday, that's a Monday, but just to keep track of it, there is a Thursday night game looming with the Chicago Bears. There's a Monday night game later in the year with the New York Giants. So when those games happen, the podcast will come your way the following day in the recap mode. We'll have guests on from time to time. I even do some special uh, podcasts. Whenever there's a new one, if you are subscribed, it will automatically come to your phone, to your iPad. Uh, Ding, The uh, the subscribe notification will come in and you will know that we will have a brand new Nothing But Bucks. All right, so let's get into what went on uh, on Sunday. And I, I came on last week after the loss to the Saints, who were a really good team. And at the time that I am taping this, they are slated to take on the Las Vegas Raiders uh, coming up on Monday Night Football. Let's see what happens in the brand new empty Allegiant Stadium. No fans, obviously, at that game. They've already announced that for the entire season How will the Saints perform on the road? They're supposed to be one of the best teams in the NFC. They were the number one seed last year in the NFC. So the Bucs had a tough task in week one, didn't win, not making excuses. We knew coming in this would be a much easier situation. Not that NFL games are easy in and of themselves, but some of them are easier. With a first-year coach who's a former college coach in Matt Rule, with the fact that the Buccaneers are at home for this week, and with the fact that you've gotten one game out of your system to work some of the things out, you knew the Bucks would be better, and you knew that the Panthers were more than likely in the wrong place at the wrong time for what I just laid out. Off a of Buccaneer loss, first-time NFL head coach, got a new quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, trying to make it work. You knew this was, and even the Vegas odds makers knew. They, they had this game at nine or nine and a half points, which is large for an NFL line, expecting the Bucs to win. And make no mistake, the Buccaneers came out on Sunday uh, and proved in the first half that if they fire with the talent that this team has on both sides of the ball, if they fire together, if they fire in concert, if, uh, if both sides are working and clicking and complimenting each other, look out with the talent level because you looked up and it was 21 nothing. And the way the third quarter began, this game could have easily been a runaway 31-0, 38-7, something like that. Credit the Panthers for hanging in. Unfortunately, the Bucks made some mistakes that helped them hang in. Got to knock that off. But in the end, you put it away for a 14-point victory. It goes in the win column. 
I am going to consistently say, like I said last week, the second game doesn't mean that all is right with the world. It, it does not mean that the Bucks will go on to win 10 or 12 or 13 games or something like that this season any more than losing last week means that the Bucks were going to be 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9. and nine. It is a game. You're looking for progress. You're looking for things to gel. Uh, after all the concern and criticism about Tom Brady, he laid the football in there over and over and over again on Sunday. I know he had an interception, and that's going to be shown. It already has been shown Sunday night and on Monday uh, on the postgame shows on NFL Network, nationally on uh, NBC, uh, on ESPN. In addition to the good passes, there, there were balls that, uh, that were errantly thrown, uh, several of them, two or three of them. There were also balls that were laid right in there to the likes of the second-year receiver, Scotty Miller, the veteran, LaShawn McCoy, the running back that should have been touchdowns that were just dropped, that were in their hands. In Scotty Miller's case in the first quarter, if he keeps running to the corner of the end zone and doesn't try to leap, he makes a touchdown catch, I believe, but he didn't come up with the ball. LaShawn McCoy, I think, got a little distracted by a DB in the way, but... He's got to make that catch in the corner of the end zone in the fourth quarter to help put the game away. That's not on the future Hall of Fame quarterback, Tom Brady. That's on his guys catching the ball. It was great to see Mike Evans involved once again early and often. 100-yard reception day for him. Uh, Also, Leonard Fournette in his second game as a Buccaneer. My goodness, did he run tough. We'll get to all of this in the highlights, including a defense with a multi-sack, multi-turnover game that looked like the Todd Bowles defense that we will expect, by and large, throughout this year. Way too talented to have a stat sheet, and I know a lot of it has to do with the Saints. Again, Breeze, Peyton, their game planning, get the ball out of his hand. It's tough to sack him. Uh, They are a tough team to take the ball away from. They just don't make a lot of mistakes. You knew that when you only got one sack and no turnovers against New Orleans, that this team would be anxious to get after Bridgewater, the new coaching staff, the new scheme of Matt Rule in Carolina, and man, what a difference even in the first half. In fact, why don't we go ahead and begin right there? Let's get to the highlights. We've waited long enough. Let's get to the highlights. And right away uh, for the Buccaneers, noise being made as uh, Teddy Bridgewater is under pressure in the four, in the first quarter after the Bucs had gone three and out on the opening possession. Bridgewater under pressure, and turnover number one is right here. Shotgun formation now. Here's the snap. Bridgewater looks, stumps the ball up. Trying to say it's a picked off pass. Intercepted to the 21-yard line. Picked off. The Buccaneers have a Jordan Whitehead with a diving pick. And that time, not much pressure. They tried to set up a screen pass play. And the pass was a little too tall. And the Buccaneers have our first takeaway of 2020. Jordan Whitehead makes a nice diving interception on that play. Again, these highlights from the Hall of Famer Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore on the calls. And that's the first turnover of 2020 going to a defensive back that is really a hard hitter but also has a lot of instincts for the ball. And that set the Bucks into motion uh, right away uh, here for an opportunity to score after that turnover, picking things off here um, at the 22-yard line. So Whitehead uh, at the Buck 22 is able to stop that drive. And, and the Bucks would immediately go on a 10-play, 78-yard drive. Not featured in the highlights here. Mike Evans with a 48-yard catch over the middle on a laser from Tom Brady. And let me uh, let me set up here while we've got the highlight music rolling in the highlights. I'm not on the field, but I'm at field level in what they call the operational zone, or the nickname the moat, down below the uh, the, the tarps and the and the advertisements that they have. 
So I had a great vantage point on that throw uh, off the line of scrimmage, and Brady threaded the needle right through there to Evans in the middle of the field by the Buck logo. He gets 48 yards. Again, he had what looked like was going to be a touchdown pass when we went to the south end of the stadium there in the operational zone, but Scotty Miller couldn't come up with the ball. Never mind, though, Ronald Jones was undaunted as the Buccaneers moved into scoring position, got the benefit of a Carolina unnecessary roughness penalty, got a first and goal at the seven, and Ronald Jones did the rest. Here is the snap, Jones running to his right, tries to stiff arm, gets to the five, three, two, one, touchdown, Tampa Bay, Buccaneers score, fire the cannons, Ronald Jones. Great seal blocks on the end by the rookie right tackle first round pick Tristan Wirfs and O.J. Howard uh, to free Ronald Jones for that touchdown. Uh, Rojo puts the Bucks on top 7-0 and really started the momentum at this point in the game. Again, it was eerie. Uh, never been in Raymond James Stadium without fans before for a Buccaneer game. And normally the crowd would be going bonkers after the interception and the touchdown and fired up. Uh, but nonetheless, you had to make do with no crowd and everything subdued. And right away, just two plays into the Panther next drive. The Bucks were all over Bridgewater again for another takeaway. McCaffrey's on the slot to the right side, and he comes in motion. Bridgewater waits, and here's the snap. We send the blitzer inside, picked up nicely, and rushing with the football. Bridgewater, he fumbles the football, picked up and scooped up by a Buccaneer. Is it JPP? He's got the ball. Bucks have the ball inside the 25. Rookie Antoine Winfield Jr. credited with the sack and the strip fumble. And Bridgewater's fumble recovered by Jason Pierre-Paul. Two takeaways in two possessions. And it only took one play for the Buccaneers to turn that turnover into six more points. Here's the snap to Brady. Brady looks, pump fake, hooks all the end zone, throws toward the end zone, into the caught ball. Touchdown Tampa Bay, Mike Evans! Boy, what a move he made, back shoulder throw, and Evans took him one way and cut the other. Right at the pylon. Touchdown, Tampa Bay, and the cannons fire again. Brady fires his first touchdown pass of Sunday. That one to Mike Evans for 23 yards officially on the first play after the turnover. And, and right away, you could already see the chemistry is better between Brady and Evans with a game under their belt. Uh, they even were, were checking off with some, some different audibles to quick passes, et cetera, throughout this game. They were on it at the beginning, and it's 14-0. All the momentum in favor of the Bucks at home and really controlled a lot of this first half, uh, especially with the defense. Here's another example here of the defensive line, even without having to blitz, the defensive line going after Bridgewater. From the 41, Bridgewater has time, starts to break down, starts to break. He is going to be sacked. He's dropped at the 33-yard line. Dominican Sue able to get the sack uh, in that instance. So, uh, again, Buccaneers doing a great job of, of limiting Christian McCaffrey, sacking Bridgewater, creating turnovers. Now, Carolina finally did put a drive together in the second quarter, and uh, the drive stalled with a third and short stoppage by the Buccaneer defense. So was it going to be a long field goal attempt for Carolina? Was it going to be maybe a punt? Buccaneers were ready for what trickery the Panthers tried next. Direct snap, and the Bucs read it and stuff the run. How about that? Matt Rule calls a fake punt, a direct snap to a blocker, and the Bucs stuff the run short of the mark to make. So you keep the defense on the field, you stop the fake punt, Again, everything going the Buccaneers' way here, and that would continue uh, into the second quarter as the Bucs, after stopping that fake punt, 
then put together a nice scoring drive of their own. Uh, Leonard Fournette in the game, running hard. Eventually, Fournette with a nice catch uh, out of the backfield. Almost scored on the play on a 12-yard catch. They did not challenge it, did Bruce Arians and the Bucks to, to have them look at it. Again, if he doesn't score a touchdown, they don't automatically review it in New York. So it would have had to have been a coach's challenge. Bruce Arians didn't do the challenge. Byron Leftwich, Tom Brady wanted to run tempo with the same personnel. You saw this a lot in New England. Hey, we got a first and goal. We like the personnel we have. Don't let them substitute. Come right up to the line and run your goal line package. And guess who's going to get that ball on the goal line when he's in the game? Bucks hurry to the line of scrimmage. Hand the ball off to the guy that got you close. It is a touchdown. Tampa Bay, touchdown Tampa Bay, our third of the game. And we lead 20 to nothing. Fire the cannons. Bucks are on top 20 zip. Leonard Fournette's first touchdown as a Buccaneer comes in the first half of game number two against Carolina. Officially a one-yard run, banging it in. And I got to be honest, uh, standing down there on the sideline at that point, at 21-0, you're going, this is a laugher. Carolina's got no business hanging around in this game. Again, you have to remind yourself, they're pro players. They are, they are obviously skilled to be in the NFL, and they're not going to just roll over, especially in week two. But the sense that I just had down there on a hot day, Carolina in the dark, uh, kind of Carolina blue uniforms, the alternate jersey they wear, they didn't have their, their uh, dark black uniforms on. But uh, the end result here is a 21-0 lead. And whatever you want to call it, I mean, the Bucks were feeling great at that point and continued to get after Bridgewater, uh, pressuring him into making mistakes. He did not look anything like the quarterback that was in the comfort zone of that New Orleans system from last year when he replaced Drew Brees with the thumb injury. Had a great game in the Superdome against the Bucs, threw for over 300 yards, I think had three touchdowns or four touchdowns in the game. He looked so comfortable. Quick release in their offense, their offensive line, Alvin Kamara in the backfield. I know Christian McCaffrey, who we'll play a highlight of in a second, is an outstanding running back, but he couldn't get a lot going in this game. And the, the, the Saints are just one of the better teams. And Bridgewater was able to plug in and win all those games last year. Yes, he did things well, but they set you up so well to succeed. It's not the same with a first-year coaching staff in Carolina. And he did not look like the same quarterback uh, yesterday. He looked rattled. He was making mistakes, and the Bucs were making him pay. All right, so 21-0 game. And then, unfortunately, after the Bucs got a turnover and got a chance really to make this game either 24-0 or 28-0 in the plus territory in the third quarter, this is the one thing that, that really hampered them yesterday on Sunday. A Ronald Jones fumble in the first half. They overcame it. And then this errant throw from Brady. Play action fake pass over, and he throws it to the, It's intercepted inside the 10. Picked off pass, threw it too tall for a buck receiver. They got a convoy in blue across the 30, outside the numbers to the 40, to the 45, to the 50, and run out of bounds. An interception by Dante Jackson. Again, that one intercepted uh, by Carolina. It was windy on Sunday. The wind was affecting some throws. That throw was into the wind into the swirling winds, but I don't know how much you put on the wind versus just he threw it high and behind Gronkowski and the DBs playing back there like center field for the interception. So Brady was upset. He was animated on the sideline. I can testify this guy's demeanor is we want to score on every possession. We want to win every game, and I'm I'm tired of mistakes. Stop making mistakes. I'm cleaning up what he was screaming at times about making mistakes, and that was his own mistake there. They definitely got to clean it up. And eventually, Carolina would get in the end zone on a Christian McCaffrey touchdown run here. 
Handoff goes to McCaffrey. Guess who? And he, with second effort, gets close to the goal line. It is a touchdown, Carolina. Delay call by the side judge running in, and he took a look at where McCaffrey was. It indicates a touchdown, Carolina. So 21-7 at this point after McCaffrey gets the scores and makes, uh, he got two of them actually, makes his fantasy owners happy. So the game now 21-14. And so the game back on, but the, the Buccaneers continue to make plays. Again, back on defense in the fourth quarter. Bridgewater under pressure and another takeaway. Teddy drops back to throw, looks outfield, throws it downfield, ball is intercepted, picked off at the 40-yard line, back to the 50-yard, Carlton Davis to the 48-yard line. What a great interception by Carlton Davis. Carlton Davis, great leaping interception. He had injured his finger, looked like he had dislocated his finger. Trainer Bobby Slater taped the fingers uh, together when he came over on the sideline. That same hand helped him make that interception as the Buccaneers just registered takeaway after takeaway in this one and eventually would put the game basically away here in a 24 to 17 game it would end up being Leonard Fournette time here in the fourth quarter at the Carolina 47 handoff run the ball Fournette slashes their way to the 40 to the 35 to the 30 to the 30 25 to the 20 Fournette to the 10 5 3 2 1 touchdown Tampa Bay run the ball Leonard Fournette Wow, what a blast. Up the gut, found daylight, and outran everybody. Fire the cannons. Get them going. Bust through that line of scrimmage, and he showed a fourth gear, if not a fifth gear, at 230 pounds. Uh, You're going to hear from Leonard Fournette coming up about helping put this game away, but that's exactly what the Bucs want in the second half. Use him between the tackles. Use him in tandem with Ronald Jones as a 1 and a 1A running the ball. But there in that instance, uh, use him as a pound between ground and pound between the tackles type running back. And Fournette had a couple of 100-yard games at uh, Jacksonville a year ago, but they were few and far between. Uh, again, he battled an ankle injury as the year went on. But, man, when, when he's 100%, he is tough to bring down one-on-one. And, again, there from the front row in the operational zone, he runs so hard even with guys in the hole. You admire that when he knows there's going to be contact and doesn't shy away from it. And I'm going to go fall forward and get an extra yard or two, pounding straight ahead. Like that tough running, and Fournette finishes with his 100-yard game, and the Bucs finish with the victory. 31-17, a divisional win as well. Rematch with the Panthers later coming up in November in Carolina. Uh, You'll see them again for an NFC South matchup, but game number one, goes to the Bucs. All right, so there are your highlights. Let's get to some of the conversations after the game. First with head coach Bruce Arians, 100-yard receiving day Mike Evans, 100-yard rushing day Leonard Fournette. Tom Brady solid with a couple of uh, touchdown tosses in this game, and or actually one touchdown toss in this game. And the end result uh, is a five-sack, four-takeaway day for the defense. A lot to be happy about. Let's go back on our Hooters postgame coverage on Buccaneers Radio to uh, the chance to talk with head coach Bruce Arians about the first win of 2020. As I said to you at halftime, uh, I wanted to know what were you the most impressed with. You finished this game off. How and why did you finish it, it, it Finish it off, coach? Well, you know, it was... Uh tail of two halves really you know we came out second half we talked about energy defense goes out turns it over gets it back for us and and we give it back to them let them back in the game but then i thought 
you know, as, as they had a little bit of momentum, we took it back and uh, really proud of the fourth quarter play defensively and offensively uh, of taking the ball away and then finishing off with a great run. Say something, if you would, there in that second half about Leonard Fournette, who ends up with the 100-yard game. A lot of tough yards in between the tackles and then finally broke the long one. Assess what you saw out of him. Yeah, he ran and he ran hard, uh, but the guys in front of him gave him opportunities. I got to give all the credit to those guys up front. He he, he broke a tackler too, and uh, you know he's got great speed for a big man. So if you get him loose, uh, he's going to be hard to bring down. But uh, I thought the best play he made in the whole game was the, the pass down on the five-yard line to get us to the one. How much more was he able to gather this week? Terminology, uh, fuller playbook, if you will, his second full week that helped him today. Uh, that's really little um, because we ran a lot of the same things uh, that we ran last week for him terminology-wise. Uh, but it, it can, his, his role continues to grow, um, and with the success that he has, more and more opportunities will come. Pass Rush had a lot of success today. You had five sacks, as I mentioned, just as you were coming on here. Why did you have so much success getting after Teddy Bridgewater? Interior pressure. I thought our interior pressure was outstanding. Uh, it gave some outside guys a chance. Um, we really didn't blitz that much, um, but when we did, we were very effective. Uh, but I thought our interior guys did a heck of a job. A week after saying we need to get Mike Evans more involved, you certainly got him involved early and often. A 48-yard catch early on in the game, later a touchdown catch right after a turnover from Tom Brady. Uh, you made a conscious effort to get him involved, and number 13 looked like the Pro Bowl caliber player that we know he is, right? Yeah, that's what it should be every week. And, uh, you know, did a great job of finding Byron to design a good play for him down the middle. And, and Tom made a great, great throw uh, over that linebacker's hand to get to Mike. And, and he did a great job running with it after the catch. But, uh, yeah, we've got, to, we've got to make sure that he's too good of a player not to have at least 10 targets. Uh, one of the critical plays, as it turns out, in the fourth quarter of the game, it's a one-score game when Carlton Davis ends up uh, making the interception uh, a spectacular play. He had gone out of the game with a hand injury, came back in and makes a leaping, diving interception. From your vantage point, talk about the play and talk about Carlton Davis's development, if you would. Oh, like I said, he's one of the top ten corners in the league right now, and that was a man-to-man interception. You don't usually get a lot of man-to-man interceptions. And I told him, you need to go break a finger more often, and then you catch better. <laughs> it certainly worked out. Uh, that way for this team. Tom Brady, I know you've not seen coaches tape. There were some uh, successful throws. There were some throws that, uh, frankly, some receivers didn't come up with. But overall, how did you think he played today? Well, I thought Tom was really good. You know, I know you like to have one throw back, but the rest of them, he was to the right guys and uh, managed our game really, really well. Got us in some great runs. Um, got us in a couple passes to get out of runs and, uh, and just played quarterback really, really well. I know you made mention, too, he was very demonstrative on the sideline. We were down there in the front row and could hear him audibly at times uh, exhorting his team and leading the team down there. That's that's what you would come to expect, right? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not for children, video, audio, but uh, it, it was it was excellent for, for a leader uh, to talk to his guys, and, uh, and I love it. Coach, congratulations on the win, and good luck getting ready for Denver. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take the win and move on to the Denver Broncos, who will be the opponent coming Sunday in the Mile High City. We'll have more on that game in a bit here on Nothing But Bucks. Time now to hear from some of the participants, including TB12, 
who, again, from the very beginning of this game, I know there was a three and out to begin it, but right after that, locked in with number 13, Mike Evans. Off a one-catch, officially two-yard, one-touchdown day in New Orleans, Evans with his 25th 100-yard receiving game in this one. And Tom Brady says, hey, it was great to get going with Mike. Yeah, it was, it was better. Um, it could be. It certainly, uh, we left some out there. I think he and I both know that. So, um, you know, we just got to practice and work hard at it. And it's not an easy game. We got to work at it. There's no no easy way about it. You got to got to get to work and, you know, find our rhythm and, and keep it for the rest of the year. Still, the Bucks quarterback and leader obviously knows there's a lot of work left to be done. Still mistakes being made on offense. Uh, execution was a little bit better. Um I think we still are a long ways from where we need to be. So it was, uh, I think we have the ability to make plays. I think consistency, dependability are going to be things that we really need. So um, got to get back to work. And uh, the clock's ticking on next week. So going to get focused on next week's game and try to be a lot better next week. And speaking of the defense and the takeaways of this team, as we have been throughout the show here, let's hear from third-year defensive back Carlton Davis. A lot of expectations on him. He was out there battling in man-to-man coverage, and here he talks about the interception he got in the second half that helped once and for all put the Bucks up and in front. So the interception was a play that they ran uh, earlier on in the game, and I actually got beat on it over the middle. And um, when they did the same motion and uh, it was the same formation, I just kind of knew it was coming or kind of, you know, thought it would come. And um, I just made a play. Again, a lot of expectations as you're hearing postgame comments from the players here via the media Zooms. Again, everything different. A lot of people are wondering, for me and for my role, there is no locker room access, can no longer go in there with the wireless mic. There's no access to the players, period, uh, in and around the, the tunnel. You can't go in the tunnel. You can't go in the bowels of the stadium, in and around the locker room. The only thing is the uh, the crack Buccaneers uh, PR department is allowed to have a representative there to conduct the Zoom with the media so everybody digitally dials in and gets these same interviews so that's the answer to that question at least for now we hope i don't think this will be the case but we hope that the guidelines may loosen up where you can do some more in-person interviewing uh throughout the season at social distance we'll see we'll get creative with how else we can do these but for right now we'll take the comments from the players after the game including leonard fournette who talks here about helping clinch the Sunday win over the Panthers with that 46-yard touchdown run. Like I know for a fact that we wanted to run the clock out. And uh I'm I've, I've been in those situations so many times. And my my prime, my, my my main job was not to go out of bounds, get as many yards as I can, and get the first down, and just let the clock keep, uh, keep running. And uh coach trusted entrusted me, the O line, uh my quarterback and the whole team, and I got the job done. Thanks to those guys. He only had 12 carries, but made the most of it with 103 yards, including that 46-yarder run so tough. Fournette also with a catch uh, that was very nearly a touchdown that we didn't have on the highlights. Uh, Finished with four catches, 13 yards. That was a 12-yarder down to the goal line where he may very well have gotten in on that one. But uh, Fournette also said something interesting after this one was done about him learning and being pushed by Tom Brady, his quarterback, motivated to be better, and how he's kind of doing the same thing in a competitive nature with the future Hall of Famer. Here's Leonard Fournette. Like, uh, sometimes I'm like, Tom, you might hold the ball too long. 
You know what I mean? Uh, he, uh, he might he might tell me I'm not running the ball hard enough. So I'm like, damn, time say that. I, I'm really not running the ball hard enough. So I got to come back and do what I got to do. You know what I mean? So like I say, it, it helps. It also helps you to be uh, responsible at your job. You know, I'm, I'm keeping him up. He keeping me up like we do it for the whole team. And I'll probably say this a bunch more on these podcasts, too. The Bucks are going to benefit from the depth that they have at the skill position players to have three backs like Ronald Jones, LaShawn McCoy, and Leonard Fournette to go to. And the rookie Keyshawn Vaughn hasn't really seen action yet, even in the backfield. We didn't get to look at him in the preseason, et cetera. But he, there's high hopes for him, including as a pass catcher. Bucks are deep at receiver. That depth was was challenged because no Chris Godwin with the concussion this week. Scotty Miller, Justin Watson had to step in. Uh, I know Cyril Grayson off the off the practice squad was out there. Uh, it's all over the internet and has been on the spoof highlights about him not coming up with the ball over his helmet. But the Bucks have got, besides just Mike Evans, they've got other receivers that can make plays. And hopefully Godwin is back healthy. And then at tight end with Gronkowski. We didn't even see the tight ends really yesterday. O.J. Howard had one catch. Gronkowski no catches uh, in this one as uh, he he was targeted twice without a catch. No Cameron Brait uh, either on the catch. But you've got so much depth and so many guys you can go to if there are injuries, if there are problems. There's a lot to be excited about, Buccaneer fans, on the offensive side of the uh, of the football and even the defense. Devin White, we didn't have this featured in the highlights. Another double-figure tackle game. Uh, my Lord, with, uh, with all the plays that he was making in this one as well on the official defensive stats, 15 tackles, 11 of them solo tackles uh, in the game, including a tackle for loss and a pass defended. So Devin White, the former first-round pick out of LSU, showing well. How about Antoine Winfield? 11 tackles and a sack and a forced fumble on Sunday for the second-round pick out of Minnesota. He looks fantastic, the son of the former NFL player. And again, five sacks and four turnovers. Looks like the Buccaneer defense of old when they've won and won big in the playoffs and even that 2002 Super Bowl team. I'm not comparing this defense to Brooks and Sapp and Lynch and Barber and Simeon Rice and Shelton Quarles and all those names from 2002. But make no mistake, taking the ball away, sacking a quarterback, that's trademark, hallmark of Buccaneer defense's past. Whether you're talking about Monty Kiffin's defenses, whether you're going all the way back to John McKay, the late John McKay and Wayne Fonce's defenses. Sack the quarterback and take the ball away. And we saw that on Sunday against Teddy Bridgewater for sure. All right, so now the Denver Broncos will be the opponent coming this week in game number three. Back on the road and for the first time out of the division, Broncos lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday and lost more than the game. They lost starting quarterback Drew Locke, their former first-round pick last year out of Missouri. Locke injured throwing shoulder in the first quarter on a hit going to the ground, did not return. The early reports in the week are he's out at least a couple of weeks if not a month, with a separated right shoulder uh, injury. The backup quarterback is former Gator quarterback Jeff Driscoll, who later transferred from the University of Florida to Louisiana Tech. Driscoll had okay numbers, did have a touchdown pass in this one, but also had a couple of costly interceptions. Very sloppy uh, game for a lot of the game, both the Broncos and the Steelers, but the Steelers came away with a win. A lot of turnovers, a lot of mistakes. Steelers won it. So Denver will come back home with an 0-2 uh, record having lost to the Titans at home in the opener, now having lost to the Steelers. They don't want to be 0-3. They don't have Vaughn Miller, their outstanding 
uh, Pro Bowl caliber pass rusher. Ankle injury for him. He's likely out for the year. It's a severe tendon tear in the ankle. Uh, don't know if he's going to be able to play all at all this year. Won't play in the game. That's advantage Buccaneers to get after Tom Brady. In that altitude air, let's see how it goes coming up. Uh, for a matchup in the Mile High City, we have not been there in eight seasons to play in Denver again on the AFC rotation. And the Broncos are intending to have fans there. It's believed they'll have somewhere around 5,000 fans at the uh, the new home of the Broncos, the new Mile High. Uh, maybe a little more than that, but again, typically a 70, 75,000 seat environment may only have a few thousand fans under the Colorado social distancing and safety guidelines. So there will be some noise. Again, it was very weird Sunday. I know if you're watching on TV or listening on Buccaneers Radio, you're hearing crowd noise, effects, music. In the stadium, it's different. When the plays are going on, you're not hearing as much of that crowd noise. The NFL is limiting the DB volume on turning up the crowd noise. So you hear pads popping. You you hear uh, players. You you heard the Buccaneers, when the, when the Panthers would change a play, the Buccaneers' sideline would erupt with the audible code words yelling them out. And you could hear that all down in the bottom of the stadium because there's no fans there. You can hear yelling across the way from opposing coaches and players on the Carolina sideline. I kid you not, because there's no fans, no extra ambient noise, crowd noise. Again, you're hearing something different on our Buccaneers radio broadcast or the TV broadcast, and I've gotten a lot of feedback that some people are annoyed by that. They want some ambience. It kind of sounds like trying to have a conversation in a restaurant, doesn't it? Uh, when you're watching on TV, I got home and got to see some of the end of that uh, dramatic Chiefs-Chargers game and the Sunday night crazy finish where the Seahawks stopped the Patriots on the goal line to preserve the win. And so the, the networks are pumping in the crowd and the, and the ambient uh, sound effects, uh, etc. And it, it is a little... Uh, it is a little different to hear that because the crowd's cheering the entire time even when the offense has the ball. So that's, that's weird for the home team. That's weird. But they're trying to do something there. I'm just pointing out that inside the empty stadium, it's not the same. Hopefully we'll have Buccaneer fans in there starting in October for the Packers game to have some ambiance. I mean, if you saw the Dallas comeback with Atlanta and saw and heard the fans, the actual fans inside of AT&T Stadium, which I think they had around 21,000. They can have up to 33% capacity. Something like that, 25, 30% capacity in Dallas, uh, in Arlington. And uh, the Cowboy uh, Cowboy fans were making a lot of noise in that dome, in the enclosed dome uh, at Jerry's World with that 20,000. Let's hear what five to 7,000 sound like at Mile High coming Sunday. Buccaneers will be ready for that, for the matchup with the Denver Broncos. We look forward to having that for you. We'll be on the air on the network at 3.30 with Gene and Dave and I. Uh, on the call, trying to get to two and one. Schedule very favorable right now without Drew Locke in there. Take advantage, Buccaneers. And I keep saying to you, work in progress on offense. Limit the mistakes. Let's see that defense with Shaq Barrett. He's been quiet. He almost had a he almost had a sack or two Sunday. Had a big stop in the run game. Uh, Shaq's being double teamed a bunch, but JPP had a sack. Had a couple big plays in Dominican Sue. They're they're getting to Teddy Bridgewater with the blitz. Let's see the pass rush. Let's see the blitz. Get after Jeff Driscoll, who looks like he will be the quarterback for uh, Denver in this game as Drew Locke is out with the shoulder injury, at least for this week. Let's see what happens with the defense turning it up. Let's see if the Bucs can't come away with a road win. And hopefully we're happily talking about all of this next week on Nothing But Bucks. That'll do it for now. My thanks, as always, to Steve Carney. Uh, with iHeartRadio and our Buccaneers Radio Network coverage makes my job easier with the highlights 
uh, the interviews, uh, the sound bites that you're hearing. Jeff Ryan is our director of broadcasting here again. We are anxious to bring you Broncos and Buccaneers from Denver coming up on Sunday in the Mile High City. Again, 3.30 is network pregame time. We're on the air at 425. And as always, thank you for finding us on Nothing But Bucks, the podcast through the Buccaneers mobile app, through Buccaneers.com. If you found us through a social media link, just subscribe. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts, and the podcast will come automatically to you whenever a new one is out. Uh, Typically the day after games, you'll get this podcast, but there may be special ones as well. Keep track of it by simply subscribing. For now, we are done. Buccaneers at 1-1 have Denver on Sunday. We're back after it's over here on Nothing But Bucks.